Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. For your Emmy consideration in categories including Outstanding Drama Series and Outstanding Lead Actress, The Handmaid's Tale is Hulu's riveting new original hit series. Hailed as one of the best new shows in years and unlike anything else on TV, The Handmaid's Tale is the high-stakes story of survival in a near-future society where a cruel and oppressive regime takes over the United States. Starring Elizabeth Moss with a high-profile cast, including Joseph Fiennes, Samira Wiley, Alexis Bledel, and Dowd and Moore, The Handmaid's Tale is now streaming only on Hulu. New episodes every Wednesday. Hi. Welcome to Remote Controlled, Variety's TV podcast. I'm Deborah Birnbaum. Every week, we'll bring you conversations with some of the best and brightest in television, working behind and in front of the camera. On this week's episode, we're talking about Hulu's Handmaid's Tale, with stars Joseph Fiennes and Yvonne Strahovski. So stay tuned. I'm Deborah Birnbaum, a variety's executive of TV, and it's my pleasure to welcome Yvonne Strahovski and Joseph Fiennes of Handmaid's Tale. Great to be here. Thank you so much. Thank you guys so much for joining me, and congratulations on Handmaid's Tale. Thank you. Thank you. So I guess the best place to start is the beginning. What made you guys sign on for this project? Uh, well, the, the writing was pretty extraordinary. I read the pilot before I read the novel, and uh, it, it was just so full of tension and interesting characters. Um, especially for me, the character of Serena Joy um, being such a complicated woman, uh, <laughs> to say the least. To say the least, uh, yeah. That there was a, there was a lot of components that drew me to her. Also, why don't you tell us a little bit about the character? Uh, it's very hard to talk about her in a nutshell. I'm finding the the more I talk about her, um, Serena Joy is one of the elite in Gilead. And uh, she is married to the commander, played by Joseph, right here. And um, Serena is a barren woman. So she cannot have children. Therefore, she is issued a handmaid uh, so that the handmaid can provide her with a child. Um, but Serena, um, in like the worst nutshell ever, is an unpleasant, brutal woman which uh, I guess we could flesh out more <laughs> later, but we will come back to that. We will come back to that, yeah. <laughs> and Joseph, why don't you tell us about the commander and what made you sign on for it? Uh, well, Bruce Miller, our showrunner, um, after a long conversation, said, well, why don't you come and play? Which I thought was a, a wonderful way of inviting me in, into some very complex, dark territory. Um, and as Yvonne rightly said, it's the writing. So it was a combination of... Um, Atwood, Miller, the scripts, um, knowing that Lizzie Moss was attached and Reed Morano, and I thought it was too good an opportunity to miss. And for me, before uh, the election in America took place and before the outcome, which is easy to hang everything onto, it, it was also clear that this was a, a world which 
reflected so much about our own world and and the word that sprung to mind was fundamentalism for me and um and and i i, I thought this was really engaging on that level it was really amazing how they were able to adapt the book which was written in 1985 and make it feel so modern this feels like this is happening right now yeah i think that's one of the things that the show does m- most brilliantly is um show us this present day or near future but it feels present day because you watch the flashbacks and you think you're in in a present day world and you're seeing images that you see in the news marches women's marches it all feels like like it's very much of today um and and it really shows how uh easy that road would be to get into a society like what Gilead portrays like that fundamentalist society that Joe was just mentioning um that totalitarian government it 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 doesn't seem like a very difficult road when you watch the show which is part of the reason why it's so alarming for me when I when I watched it it's 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 happening it's present it's present in chechnya when you look at the gay community and the abuse and the torture and a government that denies that there are gay people in that country it's happening in the european parliament with uh, an awful elected european mp standing up and berating women and saying that they're the lesser than men um it's happening with women not having autonomy of their bodies in america and the new legislation's taking that right away so it's such is such a modern piece uh, but but not just here in america but worldwide and everything that's in the book has sadly happened and is happening had you read the book before you started filming no i had my my mum who's a, a, a was a writer told me about the book and margaret atwood and at the time i was a teenager and thought it was very dull and not for me and it was uh, how ashamed i am because in reading it and getting the uh, bruce um bringing the episodes to me which were thinly sketched so i wanted to read the book and i was amazed how the book is um it, the, the the her observation and the the way that the energy is the ball never drops with offred and her point of view and observation i thought it was almost impossible to ask to make into a television series but but bruce has done it Uh I I read the pilot first then I read the novel uh before we started shooting uh so it was kind of this journey of discovering just how relevant th- this book was you know from from having read Bruce's writing to the novel to understanding that the novel had been part of the school curriculum in Canada and also in the states at one point and then it got taken away from the school curriculum because it was too controversial at one point I believe um and 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 shooting it you know throughout an election you know the campaign and then the election and then post election with with Trump's uh first few several weeks of presidency you know and when, when we wrapped up the show in in mid February so it sort of became more and more and more powerful as, as we went along um and more and more complicated to try and address this character of Serena Joy um because i just saw so many parallels between her and certain people in the media and politics um yeah it's a lot of dualities what conversations did you have with bruce about the development of your characters one major change is that they're definitely younger than they were in the books yeah that was definitely a major thing i think that adds this element of um power play that may not have necessarily been there had the character been as old as she is in the book in the book she has a cane and she's arthritic i love the fact that Offred and Serena Joy of the same age, you know, you look at these two women who might have been friends outside of Gilead and maybe they would have had a better way to to relate to one another, but they're pitted against each other in in this society. Um 
and and there's no way to c- connect anymore for them um yeah yeah also that one is young enough to have children and is possibly barren and and one who is beneath her is completely fertile so there's this wonderful sense of power struggle within that if she was older you would it would be less of a struggle when did you know that they were making that change i mean is that because you were cast in the part or is that something that Bruce did intentionally i don't think they looked at me and saw that i was the right person for this role initially i think they might have been looking for a traditionally cast serena joy as reflected in the book and uh i know that it it took maybe a little bit of convincing for them to see me for this um and i and i went in and i read for this role and i had a conversation with bruce in in the room um and i remember being very passionate about the writing because it it did stand out we i mean as actors we read so many different scripts and um and it's very rare to read something like this that truly truly stands out and i didn't have the answers about serena joy then i just tried to figure her out enough so that i could go in and have a conversation with with bruce about her and as i delved deeper into reading the novel i i discovered that serena was way more of a handful than i probably could have ever anticipated um and all the issues that it it brings up personally also for me as as i'm trying to portray this woman that that i don't really relate to at all you know and and now in hindsight having having this show been so accidentally aligned with with the current political climate um and what what Serena stands for w- within that and as it's reflected in in society um it it's been an incredible journey Joseph what about for you how did you identify with the commander how did you find your way into this character not very much to be honest <laughs> um i can't imagine why not <laughs> I mean, it's interesting. There, there's three sort of dynamics and components. I think that the, the biggest thing, I think, for the household, and certainly I looked at the commander and I talked about Bruce when we first spoke about this, is um, the handmaid before who took her life because of not being able to tolerate her life of servitude in, in this household and the abhorrent nature of the ceremony. So she hangs herself, and I think that, that would have had a devastating effect and would have been apparent to both Serena and Fred the, the sort of the importance of the situation but it's a, 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 a ritual that's brought in because of a necessity it's a, a moral necessity and there are no babies and this is the way forward but um what i liked about the the relationship that he has and it's born out with with Offred is the look at that he tries to have a, a sense of care i think initially with her he doesn't want her to have the life that the previous offred had and again he doesn't have the point of contact with his wife because he like she uh, they're the architects of their own unhappiness but sex is not allowed procreation only they can't have a child and so they've lost contact physical contact and on top of that he has this this relationship where she becomes offred a point of contact for him but also beyond that and this is where it gets interesting in terms of male power and those who think they're sort of almost untouchable um is and we see this whether it's sort of somewhere fox news or you know what people do and the abuse thereof <clears throat> and they get to such a powerful place of authority they begin to feel that no one can bring them down and i think that's the same with fred that that sense of being um untouchable but he's like with offred it's like uh, what i love is this relationship that 
It's like a, a cat with a ball of string. He cannot but help himself to, to play and abuse her, even while he's trying to care for her and have a point of contact. So it's a wonderful, complex relationship that, over the course of this series, gets more interesting. And I, I love her in the book. There's a quote where Offred looks down to the commander getting into the car, and she says, I don't love him and I don't hate him. So it's a complex relationship, and, and I, I love it for that. You've mentioned the ceremony. I think we should explain to people what exactly that ceremony is. Who wants to take that one? Over to you. <laughs> um, My wife will explain. Sure thing. Uh, this, <laughs> Are you uh, having fun with that question? Uh, well, um, I mean, I don't know. God, this whole thing is like a can of worms uh, talking about it. Uh, well, the, the ceremony is essentially a um, an evening where... Uh, the commander, Joseph's character, has to have sex with the handmaid in order to try and get her pregnant while the wife is present. Um, we're all on the bed together in, in how we physically have portrayed this ceremony. Uh, and, and it's essentially be, be, we're doing this because we're in this new government, this totalitarian sort of fundamentalist uh, regime where we have collected all the fertile women and imprisoned them essentially as sex slaves uh, to to the elite couples that, that now run Gilead, formerly known as America. Um, it's an intense scene. It obviously um, brings up some very serious issues. It is essentially some form of a rape scene, is the way I see it. Um, but in filming it, it's incredibly... Um, it's it's different. I think everyone's coming at it from a different point of view. You know, I think you're you're coming from it from a different point of view, and so is Lizzie. And and for Serena, I, I think it's it's this moment of um, of the raw raw humanity in a way because you know when you when you strip away exactly what she's doing and how she's behaving in this new society, you you see the the true raw effects of of how this cage that she's designed for herself is truly affecting her um you know watching her husband doing this with another woman and then the fact that she's been stripped of her own ability to physically connect with him and intellectually connect with him there, there, there's so much emptiness in in her life and i think in their relationship and there's not a whole lot left in this world to fill that void with um it's it's very barren for lack of a better word um for I, her, and, and I, yeah. Anything, no, no one wants to be there, really. You yeah. feel that it's fully clothed, you know, it's, it, like you say, it, it, it's this rape, but it's thinly veiled through the theocracy uh, uh, as a kind of piece of scripture, and therefore it's valid and justified, but it's not. But, but I, I have a feeling that none of them want to be there. But there is a kind of, there's an evolution of the ceremony, where the ceremony gets more complex as we go through the series, and um, and Fred won't look at Alfred or his wife, and I recollect we would rarely look at each other, but then just the flick of an eye, just one form of eye contact or the touch of skin becomes monumental, mm -hmm. you know, it's, it's, so it's, it's amazing how powerful it is, but there is an evolution where Fred starts to maybe get into it, and, and also what's fascinating later on in the series, when Alfred doesn't um, toe the line with Fred or she turns him down or she doesn't answer him when he says, would you like to come to the study? 
And the repercussions is that he can't get it up in the ceremony. So <laughs> you, the ceremony has a, you know, there's a, there's a great metaphor and, and uh, sort of it's a, it's a complex place. I can't imagine what it was like for you to film that scene. It was actually not, I think everyone expects for it to have been the most terrible thing we've ever all had to deal with in our acting careers, but it, it, it wasn't as awkward. Uh, you say it was kind of fun. I mean, in a weird way. I mean, look, at the same time, we all have to stay sane despite this yeah, really heavy material true. that we're dealing with. We all have to stay sane and we're coming to work every day and we're looking at each other and we have an amazing, fun crew and, and yeah. cast and everybody's lovely, so... Um, you know what's required, and <clears throat> you, you don't kind of kill yourselves with it. Right, right. And I think we th there's definitely um, we're honoring the integrity of what it is about in, in every sense of the word, especially with Reed Morano directing those first three episodes and really having the time to to really try and find the exact right tone for each of these scenes, especially the ones like the ceremony and. And, and find all those nuances and play with all those nuances because like Joe was saying, every little twitch counts in this show, every movement. We're living in such a restrictive world mm. where one move that's out of line and against the rules could cost you your life or a part of your body. Mm. It's, it's that brutal. So everything that you're not saying is so potent mm. on camera, especially because of the camera work being so in your face here on this show as well. It's true of the whole show, that just in terms of not just the show, but the whole show, there's nothing by accident. Mm -hmm. Every mm -hmm. tiny nuance, eye movement, Blink. prop, position, the way it's um, blocked, is it's, it's nothing's by accident. It's all there for a reason. Mm -hmm. um, and it's, it's kind of rare you get that on a piece as an actor when you get into the room and it's you find it through the right avenue. It's not sort of a happy, lazy mistake that's just working. You know? It's a meticulously produced show. I mean, the costumes, the cinematography, the, the production design, everything is so intentional. I mean, it must have felt like when you stepped into this world, you knew exactly your place in this world. I mean, the costumes, everything the handmaids wear, everything that you, know, that you as Serena wear mm -hmm. is very intentional. That must yes. have helped you find your way into the, your characters. It absolutely did. I think we had many thoughtful discussions of, with Anne Crabtree, who designed the costumes, Bruce Miller, uh, amongst ourselves. I know Joe and I had a lot of conversations. Um, and I, it, to me, when I watch it, and I've seen the first several episodes, it really does seem like all that detail and all those thoughtful conversations paid off. Um, because every little blink and flutter of an eye and breath does count, and it means something. It stands for something. It's, it sets up the rules and the tone of the world, and I think the audience lock into that immediately. They, they sense the tension through the rules, and when people break the rules, there's a repercussion. So that's what's evident. Was there a scene that was particularly hard for you to film, if not the ceremony? For me, it wasn't the ceremony. I thought it would be, but um, it was actually the scenes where Serena is at her most brutal, um, because it it's it's hard to it's hard to make sense of that. It's hard to peel back all the layers and sort of try and justify for myself as the person playing her. Why would someone really actually truly do something like this? And and how was she maintaining her brutality, that that strength in that brutality? And why isn't she she pulling away from it? And so much of it became about survival. Um, 
in that survival, the duality of the survival, because she is also surviving in this world, even though she is at the top of the food chain when it comes to women, but she put herself there also. Um, so uh, it was difficult to play those scenes where Serena was very brutal and, and having to watch the effect that it would have on the other person. Usually it would be Lizzie Moss playing Alfred and, uh, and not being able to have any kind of empathy for the other person. Um, and if Serena Joy did have any empathy, it had to be squished for the sake of her own survival um, and, and ability to carry on in this world where she is uh, silently watching these brutalities occur and is okay with it. Joe, what about for you? Was there a tough scene? Um, all tough but hugely enjoyable, if I'm allowed to say that, um, because you're in the right place. But, uh, you know, as Yvonne said, that the effects on Lizzie left me uncomfortable. Um, but in a good way, because you know it's, you're in the right place. But um, certainly Jezebel's and his sort of pathetic anticipation and control of introducing her to this forbidden fruit and, and um, the patheticness of him and the creepiness of him in general kind of left me kind of wanting to scream out loud and have a shower but he's you know it's um, <laughs> he, 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 he just the general onslaught of creepiness and you know not ever knowing his objective and his sort of lack of being able to control himself and uh, you know and I, what I love about these characters is in one episode we flash back but so we get the humanity and, and the kind of the moral base in which they are born from, and they're not cardboard cutout baddies. They're complex, but they live in this theocracy where where scripture rules and their belief system rules, and they're imprisoned, as we've said, by their their own kind of design. But um, it, it's kind of an icky, horrible place you know, where you can't breathe. You're sort of it's a slow suffocation, but at the same time, it's enjoyable because it's you're in the right place. Mm -hmm. <laughs> What did you learn from those flashbacks? Do we get to you know, explore how they became the people we see? What did we learn from the flashbacks? Uh, that was, that was also... Don't you think they love for each other? They love, yeah. There was and, also and your very... voice. She has a voice that's slowly taken away. Right, yes. That's, yeah. a, that's a, an important one. You know what I mean? It was a hard leap to make, I think, because we spent so much time discussing Gilead and, and, and you know that place where you, as an audience, meet these two characters and how bleak it is. Um it was. It's hard to take that leap and try and imagine what they might have been like, but also so beautiful to show that relationship and show that their intention might have been pure at some point. I feel like for Serena, you know, she was this advocate for women being empowered by their biological destiny. I think she really, truly felt at some point that she could save the world and help to save the world by encouraging uh, women to, to take charge and, and be domestic and stay at home and look after children. Um, I think obviously that comes with a, lo a lot of naivety, you know, considering that somewhere along the line we ended up in, in Gilead and somewhere along, along that line 
uh, I think she fell out of the conversation in the construction of Gilead as a woman, you know. So I, I think she had a lot to say in, in how it it is now. But, you know, there's this wonderful scene that we see in later down the track, which I'm not even sure we're allowed to sort of talk about for spoiler alerts, but um, but where it's oh, not in the book. About no. where, where Serena Joy does fall out, she she is no longer invited to partake in the conversation. That's great. And you mean in the corridor with the committee? Yes, That's yes. a lovely moment. Yeah. Um, and, That's and the beginning you, of the end of their Yes, the beginning of, of the end. Uh, you know, because I, I in playing this, I, I have to ask myself, what woman would actually agree to this kind of society? What woman would agree to have a ceremony like that? Mm-hmm. At what point do you do you fall out of the conversation, but then you're stuck? You can't get back in. Right. And the conversation's gone. Or yeah. The doors are shut on you. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it, it was a, it's a, a lovely scene. It's a painful scene of the breakdown of a marriage and also the way that the man is given the authority, the uniform, and the power. And he has a choice whether to take that or, or try and be more inclusive with the mm-hmm. woman who was part of that relationship that brought him to that place but you see that he departs and he departs knowingly yes. and rather welcomes the power but he knows that she is the brains they're equals then he's there's a horrible bit where he journeys away from her and i found that really touching that that um that moment it's very simple just in a corridor and it's very much in a look no no one you know what i mean like mm. when no one no one said anything it was just this knowingness of the commander making that decision to no longer support his wife's voice mm-hmm. in the conversation. Mm-hmm. Amazing. At what point when you were making it did you realize that this was becoming an allegory for the time that we were living in now? I mean... <laughs> right away? It came into focus. It was a sharp... I think it was almost like a focus puller, just putting the lens and mm-hmm. making it sharp. Halfway through. Yeah, I think halfway through. I mean, we were, we were. I think the actual election happened about at the halfway point, yeah. and um, and then suddenly, what was already incredibly powerful and relevant material was becoming daily more and more timely, uh, and sort of more personal. At least for me, I, f- I felt um, I felt excited and, and proud to be something that was going to uh, say something about the world that we live in and, and draw such strong, very strong parallels well, to well, the well, current state. Well, quite honestly, uh, maybe I shouldn't say it, but when you uh, have your commander-in-chief make the most abhorrent remarks, so-called locker room remarks, and get voted in, you know, this piece becomes very prescient. There, we said it. We, we were making bets on how many times we used the word prescient. <laughs> We've got one in. No. <laughs> It it just absolutely feels so timely when you're watching it. It feels like this just could be happening right now. Yeah, I mean, and that's what's so alarming. I know when I first watched the first three, you know, it, it, it feels like you've been stabbed in the gut a couple times. Uh, you can't help but see the images that uh, of the photographs in the news of all the men in in an office trying to decide what women's rights should be about their bodies. Um, you you just can't help but but draw those parallels. I mean, essentially, I think people will take from this show what they want to take from this show. I mean, uh, it, this is definitely going to, to speak to a lot of people. Uh, it'll probably speak to feminists. It'll probably offend people deeply as at the same time as inspire people wildly. Um, and and it is a huge warning sign. I, I certainly see it as that. Absolutely. Yeah, of caution. Yeah, for sure. 
What did it mean to you to be working on a platform like Hulu? Did you feel the difference that it was a streaming service? Did it mean anything for you from the acting point of view? Yes, for me, certainly. Yeah, there's, it's a lot of freedom. I mean, it is a lot of freedom just with, you know, network has, has usually just a lot more roles in terms of swearing and nudity and, and those kinds of things. So we really and, and have more of a platform. The ratings. Don't you find that whole uh, that whole thing that streaming doesn't ha- have a, um, is, is not governed by, but that fear of the ratings that you get on networks, yeah. which just creeps down and it eats away at it creativity yeah but also content wise there there is I, I think first of all in, in audiences now especially there there is a absolute need greedy hunger for real topical raw nitty-gritty rude and crude um, content and 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 this I think really speaks to that audience I think people are hungry to see this especially because it's so timely people want to have a voice through through some kind of art and then this is an art piece and and it and it is, is already speaking to people just from, you know, reading the articles from from people who have watched it and, and their responses to it. Very much so. I know that it's a continuing drama series. So, are there things that you want to see for a second season? Well, there's so so much in the book um, where you can go. I mean, there's the colonies that are mentioned that would be worth a look. The, the underground, the movement, the backstories of the characters, so many characters, rich characters, how Gilead really came into into being, the way that Congress was taken over, you know, uh, the, 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 the way the movement grew and overtook um, America. There's huge content to be had. I think you can go back and discover more about people and the politics. And also just from a, like a purely like an entertainment point of view, it, it is so fascinating to see people break the rules and the rules are so ripe in Gilead and so rigid that there is so much, so much room to play within those boundaries and to break those boundaries and go forward and see each of these characters really start to maybe break the rules and go down avenues that they're not supposed to. I think that's just sort of part of the joy of mm-hmm you know, watching something and, and watching drama and conflict in, on, on television. There's a, there's a lot of that in the first, isn't it? A wonderful thing of everyone, the hypocrisy, seeing mm-hmm. you know, the, the authority lay down the rules and then quietly, because they, in their own minds, are sort of intellectually above everyone else, can quietly break those rules. They can have cigarettes, they can have literature and paintings and all the things that they've banned. And it's just like Nazi Germany. It's just like, you know, the officers then... You know, saying this is outlawed and then breaking those rules. So that, that's what's great in the show, mm-hmm. seeing the rules broken like that. Does the first season end on a cliffhanger that will set up a second season? Uh, in the book, it does. I mean, it's pretty close to the book. <laughs> <laughs> you always want more. But I, there's no spoiler, I don't think, if you've read the book. I mean... I've read the well, book. But we do, I mean, we do, we do follow the book, yeah. but we do also take a little artistic license and flesh out yeah. some things that are end. not necessarily in the book also with certain storylines and characters. Hazy memory, I can't remember. They're looking at each other very meaningfully. <laughs> <laughs> trying to jog your memory. <laughs> it's, uh, it'll, leave, it'll leave you wanting, wanting more. It definitely. Really, really, you'll be hungry. Absolutely. Well, fantastic. It's been a pleasure talking to you guys. Congratulations on a great season. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this week's show. 
We'll be back next week with another great episode. I'll be chatting about ABC's miniseries When We Rise with creator Dustin Lance Black. See you next week. For your Emmy consideration in categories including Outstanding Drama Series and Outstanding Lead Actress, The Handmaid's Tale is Hulu's riveting new original hit series. Hailed as one of the best new shows in years and unlike anything else on TV, The Handmaid's Tale is the high-stakes story of survival in a near-future society where a cruel and oppressive regime takes over the United States. Starring Elizabeth Moss with a high-profile cast, including Joseph Fiennes, Samir Wiley, Alexis Bledel, and Dowd and Moore, The Handmaid's Tale is now streaming only on Hulu. New episodes every Wednesday. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on Chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at Chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's Chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.